Hey, welcome back to the weekend edition of Outdoors Live on News Radio, the Mighty 790 KFGO. And I'm your host, Doug Lear. The last shot, the last shot for this weekend edition of Outdoors Live. Uh, we still have a Central Dakota Outdoors report with Pat Stockdale. We're going to get you a podcast extra with Bruin Agri Gone Outdoors, uh, and you can listen to them. You listen to Bruin Agri Gone Outdoors on Saturday mornings at 11 a.m. We know not everybody can listen to them on Saturday mornings. We know not everybody can listen to a podcast. So we break out a podcast extra for you each and every weekend. Before we do that, let's get you a Central Dakota Outdoors report with Pat Stockdale. You read her work in Dakota Country Magazine. She is an award-winning outdoors communicator, and she connects with uh, the people and the places, the bait shops, the gas stations, the motels, the resorts, the guides, to give us a better idea of where people are going, what they're doing, what they're finding outdoors. Well, Pat, what's cooking outdoors this week? Thanks, Doug. Well, in checking elsewhere around North Dakota, we're into winter mode, and that means ice fishing. Several lakes have variable ice conditions, though, after late November warm temperatures tickled the region. So, in other words, caution and testing ice conditions and depth is a must. Northern Devil's Lake feeder lakes continue producing walleye and perch, and while Devil's Lake is gaining ice, anglers are generally for the most part waiting to head out onto the ice. Other small lakes dotting various regions of the state are also seeing some walk-on activity as anglers check for early season walleye and perch, but nothing is really consistent yet. Farther west, Lake Audubon is seeing some walleye activity in variable depths depending on the time of day. Typically, Audubon is best known for its walleye in the low light hours, about an hour before sunrise and an hour after sunset. But again, check the ice, because Audubon has several pressure ridges and springs. The Missouri River is quiet for fishing activity, but Canada geese have found its open water, including sandbars around Washburn, and will possibly stay as long as they can still feed. Appreciate that report. That is Pat Stockdale. And she is an award-winning outdoors communicator. Again, read her work in Dakota Country Magazine and various other publications across the Midwest. Right now, it's time to get you that podcast extra from Scotty Brewer and Kyle Agri. You hear Brewer and Agri gone outdoors at 11 o'clock on Saturday morning. Not everybody can listen then, and not everybody can check out their podcast. So here is a podcast extra from Scotty Brewer and Kyle Agri. Both Kyle and I are very excited about this segment. Uh, we have a, a friend of ours, Forrest Leach. And How's it going, guys? Going well, Forrest, going well. You know, and normally we have a title, a name to put on whoever our guests are. And we have a name for you, but it doesn't apply to this segment because you're, you're a salesman at, at Ray's Marine in Grand Rapids. You're a Lund boat salesman. At, but we're not going to talk that. So we probably don't want to even mention that. <laughs> we want to talk about hunting, and we don't really have a title. You know, you are so below the radar. Man about the woods. Man about the woods. Man about the public woods. That's right. And and what we're talking about is Forrest loves to hunt, and he doesn't, I don't know if you own any land or, and you just don't hunt it. I'm guessing you really don't, but you hunt Nothing a, yet, yeah. a lot <laughs> of public land, different states, You've shot some great public land deer in Minnesota. I believe you were in Montana or North Dakota last year. Is that correct? Yep. I uh, usually try to get a couple of those states every year, some of the easier to draw ones, but uh, all over the place. You know, and, and you have great, great, great success doing so. 
this year, um, I'm guessing you hunted Minnesota as well because you live in Minnesota. Um, but one we want to talk about is Kansas. You went down to Kansas for deer hunt and we want to talk about how, why you wanted to go there, how you found information to go there. Cause this is all grassroots. You did all this on your own. You found the land, you figured out licensing, you did all this on your own. So first of all, why Kansas? Yeah. So, I mean, growing up and like, like you guys, I'm sure as well, you know, watching the outdoor channel and all those TV shows growing up, you see all these big bucks, people going to these destination states like Iowa and Illinois and Kansas is one of those states that you kind of heard about a bit, but I never really knew too much about it. Um, so I did a little bit more digging and it, it came to my attention that it was a lot more, uh, a lot more attainable of a hunt than you would have thought. Um, it wasn't something that took me years and years of applying to do. It wasn't something I needed to hire an outfitter and spend lots of money to do. Um, so it was one of those states that was actually pretty friendly to the do-it-yourself hunter. So one thing I would like to say to our listeners, the reason why we're having you on to talk about this is because our hope is that maybe we'll spur some interest from some of our local listeners that may want to do this same thing. So this is kind of going to be like a how-to segment as to how to do this. So when you decided, which I'm assuming is a few years ago, that you wanted to start uh, thinking about a hunting in Kansas, what did you research first? Licensing? Yeah, so the biggest thing that I research, and this goes with any state, is just how, what tags are available and how easy it is for me to get a tag. You know, if, if there's a, like an Arizona elk hunt that's going to take me 20 years to, to get, I'm not really looking at that too closely. But Kansas, the first thing I looked at was the tag, and it was pretty apparent through my research that it wasn't going to take me too long to get a tag, so I knew I could, I could do it pretty soon. And I'm assuming, Forrest, that, you know, big game hunting, whether it be uh, whitetail, mule deer, any of these uh, more common animals that we're, we're pursuing, it's it's state to state, right? Every state makes their own laws and regulations uh, pertaining to the season, when it is, how long it is, and how those uh, tags are allocated. Yeah, every uh, you got to really keep track of everything. Every state is so, so different. There's a few things that stay consistent state to state, but far and away, every state is so different with how they allocate tags, how their seasons are. Um, that was another reason why I wanted to go to Kansas, just to experience something different. You know, Minnesota, North Dakota, our gun seasons take place right in the middle of the rut. So the bow hunters kind of get pushed to the side, but Kansas, their gun season's really late in the year. So the bow hunters really get to experience that full um, deer rut without the gun hunters there. So, and, and I'm guessing here, and this is a question for later, I'm guessing you were bow hunting. Yes, I was bow hunting, but but a lot of this, what I'll talk about, will apply directly to gun hunting. It's almost the same draw odds and everything for a non-resident. So if you're going to apply for a license, like in Minnesota, you need to know what different uh, regions and what the different zones are. Is that the same with Kansas? So you kind of need to have your area narrowed down before you apply for a license? Yep, it's, it's similar to Minnesota in the regards that it's all separated out into units. Um, Minnesota, when you buy a gun tag, you can kind of go statewide with it you just got to say what unit you'll most likely be in and apply and uh, abide by those specific unit regulations uh kansas when you apply you have to pick one unit and one neighboring unit so when you apply and you get drawn you're basically stuck in two different units um so you, you can't go all across the state you got to kind of pick an area okay forrest here's here's my another thing that i'm i'm wondering about 
How did you determine the time frame for this hunt that you were going to plan? You know, is the archery season only a, a two-week window, or is it like uh, it is up here in the Midwest with with quite a range of uh, time from early to late season? Yep, Kansas has a, a really long archery season that's almost exactly the same as Minnesota, North Dakota. You know, mid September through the end of the year. So I had the opportunity to go down there a couple times if I wanted. Um, my main trip, though, I scheduled for middle of November couple reasons why um i knew that they had a gun season coming up towards the end of the month here right after thanksgiving so i wanted to be in and out of there before that gun season took place um i also knew that they had some youth seasons some muzzleloader seasons things like that earlier in the archery season so i i didn't want to interfere with those um the other reason was middle of november is just classic whitetail rut um that's what you dream of all year long those one or two week windows right in the middle of november um so i wanted to be down in that area um, at that time to kind of give me my best odds for success. So Kansas obviously is quite a way south from here. Is the rut, does it relatively coincide with what it does here in, in North Dakota and Minnesota? Um, from what we saw, I would say it was about consistent with what I'd normally see up here in the traditional Midwest areas. Um, you know, after doing it a few more years, maybe I'll start to see some trends a week earlier, a week later. But from what I saw, I would say it's pretty consistent with what you're used to okay now back to you you mentioned you have to choose one zone or area and an adjacent or neighboring zone or area how did you even go about selecting where you were going to hunt yeah so a lot of that was part of my research as far as how many tags they give out per unit um, i did a lot of looking on satellite imagery for what just the train looked like and kind of what i was expecting out of the hunt um, the nice thing with kansas is there's a lot of different diversity if you want to hunt kind of a spot and stock grassland open style hunt the western half of the state is a lot like that um, if you want more tree stand hunting with coolies and more brush stuff like that the eastern part of the state so you can kind of cater your hunt for what kind of train you want to be in um, and choose your unit accordingly so I, I chose to be more on the eastern part of the state a little more trees kind of what i was more used to so forest uh Quite a few times here, we've alluded to doing research on tags and on Kansas hunting in general. Where are some resources that, if we did spark enough interest where one of our listeners is thinking, hey, this is something I might want to do, where can they go look? Where can they start looking for information? Yep. First and foremost, um, you're always going to want to refer to the Kansas Fish and Wildlife um, you know, regulations booklet, their website, that's going to give you definitive answers to any questions right from the, the state. So that's where you want to go for any of those questions. A couple of um, resources that I like to use would be the Onyx Hunt app, which I'm sure a lot of you hunters have, which will show um, state lands, public lands, as well as private lands, kind of allow you to figure out more narrowed down on where you want to hunt. Um, another app that I've used a lot on my more Western hunts, as well as Kansas, is uh, the Go Hunt app. And that's where it tells you a lot of things like your draw statistics, um, your drawing odds, stuff like that, which will help you kind of narrow down your uh, your licensing and application stuff. That's awesome. Forrester, we really appreciate you giving us more information on this. Hey, I need to mention that uh, a huge week coming up, a very huge week coming up. My anniversary coming up on Monday. Happy anniversary to my wife, Michelle. I love you. Then it's her birthday. Then the 14th. That's my dad and his twin sister, Lane. My dad is uh, one of two sets of twins in his family. Um, he and his sister, Lorraine, are celebrating their birthday on the 14th. Happy birthday to my dad and my wonderful aunt, Lorraine. 
My nephew Jacob has a birthday on the 15th. And then Steve Poitras, yes, the host of Trivia Time. He's celebrating a birthday on the 16th. So happy anniversary. Happy birthday, Michelle. Happy birthday, Larry and Lorraine. Happy birthday, Jacob. And happy birthday to Steve Poitras. Well, it is going to wrap things up for this weekend edition of Outdoors Live. Appreciate the podcast extra being made available by Scotty Brewer and Kyle Agri. Make sure you check out them Saturday mornings at 11 o'clock. And then also you can check out their podcast at kfgo.com. This has been the weekend edition of Outdoors Live on News Radio, the Mighty 790 KFGO and FM 104.7. Till next time, I'm Doug Lear reminding you, as always, keep your lines tight and your powder dry. Have a great one out there.